Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Fanatic Radio brought to you by the radio program of Procter & Gamble. Live from our D.C. studio by Radio Saigon, I am Michael Gardner. Joins me always in his jersey turnpike sweater. Mm-hmm. He fly as always, creator of Beef Club 360, the notorious Ben Florence. Hello. Good Friday today, except a little stressful for you in the, uh, the ATV room. Yeah, it's not fun. What's going down? Why? The issues uploading the new episode. Who can we blame it on? You. I was going to say Douglas Bell. I don't know why we blame it on him, but... Or we can get kinky and blame it on um, the great Silas Hill. We could blame it on Silas Hill. He was just dope. Okay, but we have a great show for you on hands. Uh, interviews from the coach and two players, the American University Women's Lacrosse team, as they set to take on Holy Cross. It's hopefully a revenge match against Navy uh, Sunday. The tournament starts tonight. They'll play at Annapolis at 745. It's the NBA playoffs currently in... in going on in a midst. But we'll start with the NFL draft. Yes. And an interesting draft for them, to say the least. And I believe 16 offensive linemen and defensive tackles were selected. Huge number of not skill players. Only one quarterback. No running backs. Yeah. No running backs the first time in 50 years, which I didn't, I was personally. 50. 5-0. Yep. 1963, the last time a running back was not picked in the first round. Personally, I'm not surprised for multiple reasons. This is not a very good running back class. Um, a, B, teams are funny that you can find good running backs late in the draft. You don't have to spend an early pick on, unless it's a rare, you know, top-level talent, which there isn't any of that in this year's draft. And also, you know, it's becoming more and more of a pass passing league. Teams like to spread open, spread out, use multiple uh, wide outs, and it's a, they like to throw the ball. So the running game is getting a little left behind. So, and one was a pretty weak draft overall, as anybody will tell you. For the running backs, it's not a particularly good one either. So, uh, you were big on the draft. I think okay. 15 mock drafts, and we'll get to your uh, picks later in the show in our Tweets from Flow segment as we put you head to head with the notorious and dreaded Eric Saltzman, Saltzman Sports. But interesting statistic as well, 16 of the first 28 picks were an offensive lineman or defensive lineman. Uh-huh. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, 16 players for the 12 offensive players and only four skill guys. Why do you think teams nowadays are taking that more of an approach of waiting later for a running back? Uh, well, as I said, it's becoming much more of a passing league. In the NFL, you're seeing teams that are throwing the ball 40, 50 times a game. Actually, no, that's, that's a little much. Not 40, 50. But like 30, 40, 30, yeah. 40 times a game is coming much more of a passing league. As to why there are so many uh, line guys on both sides, I think that's mostly because it's a very it's a good it's a very good line for picks on both defensive lines. And as I said, it's a pretty weak draft overall. There's no great quarterback. I think they're good quarterbacks, but there's no franchise quarterback. Running backs aren't great. Receivers are solid, but not great. But it's very deep in offensive line and pretty deep in defensive line. You still have reaches at both spots, actually more so on the offensive line. 
But overall, I think it's mostly due to the fact that the draft, you know, to paraphrase, sucks. And that there, a lot of teams are trying to take safer picks, particularly with offensive line. Yeah, I feel like I want to applaud the Kansas City Chiefs. It'll be the first thing I'll do. Uh, did not take Leon Sandcastle, as I was hoping they didn't. Uh, we're going with that joke. Right. It's a good joke, yeah. It, it was funny when it, it first still is came funny. out three months ago. It has been three months ago. As we figured out last night with uh, Eric Wilkins' late text messages to our good friend Tyler Tamea. But um, surprise taking Eric Fisher over Luke Jokel? Uh, it appears that they uh, were moving toward Fisher late in the song. I, for a while, I've had them taking Jokel. I think Jokel's a better prospect. I don't think it's by much. I think Fisher's got a higher upside. I think he's uh, probably got hot more potential. But I think Jokel, right now, plug him in. He's a, top, he's a franchise left tackle. Um, but, I mean, again, I had Jokel uh, two or three on my board, and I believe I had Fisher at five. So it's not like it was a bad pick. I would have taken Joko if I were that, but I can see why they took picture. I think it's a solid selection. Yes, and uh, sources close to us, to the Kansas City Chiefs, said the reason why Fisher is, quote, more athletic and upside to get stronger and bigger, that the general manager believes that Joko is as good as he'll be now, while Fisher is good now and still has room for improvement. Mighty words for a team that is... Who told you that? Who said that? A source. Who's your source? You want to know Steve Gardner, of course. Oh, great. Um, also, one last thing for the draft. Better than John Gardner, by the way. Not true. I actually got off the phone with him. Clemson. But you were hating on E.J. Manuel. Of course. Who went number 16 to the Buffalo Bills. Oh. Why is it bad? Uh, it's bad for multiple, multiple reasons. Uh, going to a little bit of a rant. So, first off, E.J. Manuel is not the best quarterback on the board. Not at all. Uh, and here's the thing with E.J. Manuel, and I was saying this on tw- I've said this on Twitter. Not many quarterbacks are incredibly erratic in college who then become, like, consistently top-level guys in the NFL. It doesn't happen. E.J. Manuel was all over the place. He was highly, extremely hyped ever since he was recruited. Once Christian Ponder, that first had injuries, then left for the pros, everyone thought that he would be, you know, a top-level guy. He was very inconsistent. He only excelled against garbage defenses. He struggled against the good defenses. You saw this past year. By far the best defense they played all year was Florida, and E.J. Manuel was awful. He was dreadful. And so, and he never really turned it on. That's why Florida State always disappointed. That's one. Two, he's a terrible fit for the Bills' offense. It looks like Doug Marone is going to – new coach from Syracuse. He's going to run more – looks like more of a West Coast kind of pro-style offense. Maybe he'll work on some zone read stuff, but still. And that's why people – a lot of people were not thinking uh, Geno Smith would work for them. Third, if you're going to take a mobile quarterback, if you're not going to take your guy right out, who, of course, played for Marone, if you're going to take – and you're not going to take Barkley – you're going to take a mobile quarterback. You take Geno Smith because, yes, Geno Smith played in a video game offense. He's got a lot of the tools to be a very good NFL quarterback. I don't think he'll be a great he'd be a great quarterback, but a very good one. E.J. Manuel, I'm pretty certain he's going to bust. I, I feel pretty confident saying that. Will he be the starter or will I they think, give it I to think with him, You know, I don't know. I really don't know. I think they may. Usually you see teams, you know, go with the veteran guy, at least initially. Let the uh, and then let the um, the rookie to But now we're seeing guys start right away, so he may start right away. Uh, I think it's a terrible pick for Buffalo. I think they're going to be garbage for years. Either maybe will not be the franchise quarterback they've needed for 15 years. That's why they've been awful, essentially for so long. I've won a playoff game in a long time. Terrible pick. Uh, I would have taken Geno Smith. Would have taken NASA. Would have taken Barkley. Uh, ahead of him, I am not a manual guy at all. I think he's an awful pick for Buffalo. Wow. <laughs> what a terrible rant. Aaron Vale will be knocking down our door soon enough. Well, I don't know. If she, I don't know if she likes it or not, because I posted in the sports zone group. 
Uh, I hope Gary Bell can't wait for when uh, E.J. Manuel is just terrible. And uh, she gave an angry response. I'm like, yeah, I can't wait for that. You know, because I was being facetious. Not like legit hating, like, her good friend Silas Hill mm. was this past Sunday in sports on football. Like, legit hating. But I just think it's a terrible pick for Buffalo. I think that the NHL is going to like it because they moved back. They traded back from eight, added, added a pick or two to move back to 16 with St. Louis, and they blow it on that. Uh, and that was the only F I gave in the first round. Who are the A's for the teams that you gave in the first round? For the teams, uh, I gave out a fair amount of A's. Usually more late in the draft because one thing we've always noticed in the draft the reason why teams pick at the top, and usually you'll see them make bonehead decisions because they're run by morons. And so they'll take risky, dumb picks early so that the smart teams at the back end of the draft make smart decisions. But there were a bunch of bunch of teams I like what they did. I think looking at teams that had multiple picks, I really I love what St. Louis did. First, they moved up from 68 with Buffalo to take Tavon Austin, who was not going to last to 16. I love Tavon Austin. I think immediately he's going to be an awesome player. And cause even though he's very small, we're seeing a trend in the NFL. You want guys that, no matter how you get on the football, they're electric. And that's Tavon Austin. And he's very experienced as well. And then they moved back from 20. 22, which was the pick they got in the Robert Griffin deal in Washington, moved back from 22 to 30, and they took Alec Ogletree. Many were thinking initially would they would take a 16. It was a tremendous value. I'm a big Ogletree guy. He's got character issues, but the Rams don't have issues taking guys with character issues, and he fills a big need at linebacker. So I think the two of them, uh, excellent move. And there were a bunch of teams I like what they did as well. Uh, you know, Pittsburgh, great value in Jarvis Jones. Minnesota, they gave up a lot to get that third first-round pick for Cordero Patterson, but with Patterson, the steal a draft, the pick of the draft on Sharif Floyd at 23, which was insane, and then at 25, they took Xavier Rhodes, which is a pick I correctly predicted in my final mock. So a lot of teams late in the draft made very good moves. Teams early, there were some good ones, there were some risks, but I think that there were a lot. I was surprised. There were a lot of teams that was pleased with what they did, not that many awful grays. And Buffalo being one, uh, there are a few other, you know, there's a handful. They're always, I mean, I like giving bad grades at the draft because I just think it's fun when teams make stupid decisions and everyone knows it's a bad decision. That's what I think is is one of the fun things about the NFL draft because you can just see bad decisions coming the whole way. And right. sometimes they come out of nowhere. So. True. Your pack picking up uh, Dante Jones, Dayton Jones. Jones. Good for you, team. Excellent pick. He's a good value there. Um, initially, I didn't think he'd be there. I thought he'd be coming out. Be, he'll be plugging initial uh, right away for the three-four defense. Packers have long struggled to have a, a pass rush threat opposite Clay Matthews, and that's why they drafted Nick Perry last year. But he was hurt a lot of years. Now they get a good pass rush threat in Jones. You will play a 3-4 end, the defensive line. So that is uh, – I thought it was a very good move for the Packers. I was very pleased, very pleased. The Packers are always draft well, so there you go. True that. Also, are you surprised that Geno Smith, Barkley, and Mante Tail have yet to be drafted? Uh, Barkley, no. At no point have I had him mocked in the first round. I thought that – and most would be a couple quarterbacks – and usually I don't like to predict teams trading into a, uh, a round, like trading back into the first round, which I thought could happen. Um, but uh, Barkley, no. Tao, a lot of people were thinking he'd go in the first round. I didn't. I initially did, but for a couple months now, I haven't had him in the first round. So I'm not that surprised that I'm back. Uh, Gino Smith, yes and no. Yes, because uh, surprised because of who went before him, man, E.J. Manuel, your boy, um, clearly. <laughs> and I was thinking once a quarterback went, there'd kind of be almost a run on quarterbacks. But I also, my last mock, I only had one quarterback going in the first round. It was Ryan Nass of the Buffalo at eight. And I didn't think Geno Smith would go in. So I was not surprised in that regard because I thought there'd be a chance because there aren't any elite quarterbacks in this draft and maybe only one would go. And I thought there would be a possibility that wouldn't be any. 
And so I'm not that entirely surprised, but with Manuel going, that then I was surprised that Geno Smith ends up not going first round and somebody possibly not moving up. But he'll go early. Barkley will go early as well. And I think Tao is also. All three in the second round? They'll all be, they'll all be second round picks. I don't think any of them will last past pick 50. I think if Mateo is there at 50 for Chicago, I think he's the pick. Ooh, good good match with him and DeBarris. I agree. And they're, they're a team that we're looking that we're looking at team. A lot of people thought could be a possibility at 20. I think he could. I don't. I don't think he'll last past 50. But of course, I'm usually wrong. So yeah, I think Nassib, Geno Smith, and Mar- Matt Barkley will go pretty quick. All right, and our good friends of uh, Mike and Mike, our other partners in Common Radio, sat down, picked the brain of the commission discuss his thoughts on how the CBA affected the draft, getting all these solid players out of college, and the recent social issues going around the league. The, what happens now is that uh, teams are looking at these uh, draft-eligible players. They're outstanding young men. I had a chance to meet with them yesterday. And they're making choices on who the best player is to help their football team. And that's what the draft was designed to do. Prior to the, the rookie wage scale was you know, who is the agent or is representing them, uh, what position you're in, how much money is at risk, would I take the risk on a certain player at that position. They're really now focusing on what football players can help my team the most, and that's what the draft should be all about. I respect and admire our players uh, for what they do on the field, but also for what they do off the field. They're they're leaders. They're, they're thoughtful, and uh, they want to make a difference in their communities, and they feel passionately about this subject. Um, we as the league obviously embrace this also, uh, would be incredibly supportive of this, and and not just to the point of tolerance, but to the point of acceptance. And I think you're hearing that from our players, and I'm proud of them for that. The Rooney Rule um, was established to make sure that uh, candidates were given the opportunity to interview, and the clubs did that. They exceeded expectations, and there was no violation of the Rooney Rule itself. What happened where I was disappointed is the actual outcomes. Uh, you know, we had, I believe, 15 changes, uh, GMs or head coaches, and not one African-American or minority. And I think uh, we want to see uh, more diversity. And what we have uh, really focused in on is a symposium that we're going to have for GMs and coaches. It will happen in uh, early May for three days down in Philadelphia. And we're going to have a very, very strong program that will help give all of these candidates, white, black, other minorities, uh, an opportunity to really understand what are the skills needed to be successful as a head coach or a general manager in the NFL to help them develop that skill and to be better trained and better prepared to be able to communicate their skills when they have that opportunity in an interview. I think it's going to be uh, a terrific uh, symposium and going to be incredibly valuable to the talented people we have in the league, white, black, or other minorities. And now the Commissioner Roger Goodell from Mike and the Mike. In the morning, I believe yesterday, I saw the first round of the NFL draft, but interesting comments made by the commission. Uh, first part was about the collecting bargaining agreement helps out the new players. Teams give more more chances to make risk on, on on these new players coming into the league. Second one was something we talked about in sports on a couple of weeks ago, the idea of a player coming out. And you were saying comparing it to the, I guess, the modern-day Jackie Robinson. What? Of a gay player coming out. Oh, oh, and how the NFL oh, was, oh coming out. I thought it meant coming out for the draft. Uh, but, uh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not confused on what you're really asking. But for the first part, I was saying you're comparing it to sort of like the Jackie Robinson. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what I would think. With um, that, there be it would be kind of like their Jackie Robinson be have a grab breaking first, gay, bisexual, um, bi or bisexual, gay or bisexual, uh, active NFL player would be kind of like their their own Jackie Robinson, something, a story that they could um, say they were the first, pretty much, and like, that sounds a little cynical, but, you know, that happens, yeah. It'd be good in modern times. And then the last issue was the changes to the Rooney Rule. Have you heard about this? Uh, I think I have, but I'm not entirely... Bits and pieces of it. It's good to see Commissioner Goodell Encouraging more diversity. Yeah. I'm not a fan of the Rooney Rule. I think it should be scrapped. 
How so? What is the Rooney Rule? The Rooney Rule is that you have, to interview, you have to interview one minority coach and when you have a coaching search. The reason why I think it should be scrapped is because I think at this point now, Guy, I think it delves into uh, candidates are getting interviewed just because of their skin color, just so that they have to satisfy it. I think that because and now, and I I can see why that's actually not a bad thing because it's still getting them into interviews that they would not have anyways. But I think that now it's turned into all right. So this guy is African American, and now we're seeing guys that are clearly not coaching guys, but like you know guys like assistants out of staff. They're they're clearly not being, um, you know, select. They're not being interviewed. Because they're actually coaching search, they're they're just to satisfy the Rooney Rule. So I think that now we're at a point we're seeing successful minority coaches. Obviously, they're not enough, but we're still seeing a solid amount to where I think that a, taking out the Rooney Rule will actually not have a negative impact. All right, and do you want know house has not have a negative impact TV ratings of both the NFL drafts and the NBA playoffs? Good segue I had there. Yeah, for um. Basketball is currently going on as well. And what have been some big surprises? One, how well the Knicks have been playing. Yeah. Berman on the post Knicks. Well, I saw today. First time in like two weeks I've seen Jared Berman. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was not wearing a puppy vest. He was wearing some spray-painted T-shirt. What a goon. Of his flamboyant outfits he always wears. The Heat have reached to 3-0, and and so we're still waiting the call from the Walking Bucks that they will forfeit, like we called last week. And then the Spurs, pretty much running like a buzzsaw through the Lakers. And yeah. the other big trends you've seen, Golden State, we said, had to step up with David Lee injured. Yeah. And they they came back and shot like 64%. Yeah. Um, one, one series I've really been surprised with uh, is... Um, we mentioned the Knicks-Boston. I thought that would be a closer series. But, I mean, the games have been tight, but Boston late, their offense has been just disappearing at the worst spot. Really the fourth quarter, too. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, um, Indianapolis or Indiana, I picked, you know, I said I was feeling the Hawks and upset. And Indiana's been looking really impressive against Atlanta thus far. Winning both games pretty easily, so that's making me look bad. Uh, I'm actually initially I looked bad after game one when I picked the Nets. Or no, I picked the Bulls one in five. But after the Nets dominated the Bulls in game one, Chicago's won twice in a row. So my pick may actually still be end up in play there. Everything else going on, I'm not entirely surprised. Um, I, and I don't think most of America are really that surprised. I mean. Uh, Spurs, uh, I, I didn't think they'd be this impressive over the Lakers. But the Lakers have been pretty hobbled, and now I think that they're done. They'll probably get swept out because Nash is hurt. Obviously, Kobe's out. And now they just look lost. They do look Without lost. him. They do look lost. They look lost and just ready to throw in the towel. Yeah. But they'll have to endure another Spurs brigade. They, them, the Denver Golden State series is both at 1030 tonight. Mm-hmm. And then the Knicks take on Boston in the Boston Gardens. And that's the only game. That's the only game. Beauty Garden. There you go. At 8 o'clock on ESPN. Is Denver in trouble if Golden State wins tonight? Um, no, because I I don't think that – well, first of all, I think, don't think Denver – I don't think Golden State will win tonight. Because, they, again, they shot 65%. They've got to shoot an incredible, like – shoot extremely well without David Lee. And that's what they did. That's, let's be honest, that is not sustainable. You're not going to be shooting 65%. It's rare to see it in one game. You're not going to, you know, do it in multiple games. It's like when Andy Hurst got his triple-double. Just an unrepeatable performance. Pretty much. So I still think that Denver is in solid shape because they need gold. Gold State's not going to stay this hot through the rest of the series. So I think Denver is still in solid shape. Yeah. I mean, I think it's too early to talk about NBA playoffs, at least for the first time. The second round will happen for, what, another two weeks? We're already being two weeks. Uh, basically. Middle of May when 
Yeah, yeah, about a week and a half, I'd say. That's we would be I think by the time the second round starts, I think we're done with I think we're done with the semester. I think. All right, but that'll do it for the first half of Fanatic Radio. We'll take a quick music break, and when we come back, we'll be uh, have interviews with Emma Wallace, Kimmy Collins, and T.L. Harrison as they talk to us about their preparations on the historic season they had this year with women's lacrosse and how they're preparing to get a revenge on Navy. Stay with us. You're listening to Fanatic Radio on blogtalkradio.com.
so much rhythm, grace, and heaven there for one man. Back here on Fanatic Radio, BlogTalkRadio.com's premier sports music program, sponsored by a radio program. Kyle Gardner lost Ben Florence. We had Commissioner Goodell on early in the show. We broke down NBA playoffs and the NFL draft. As far as Bjorn Warner went solo, that's one thing I... You had him up in the top ten in most of your mock drafts. Uh, no, not, not for a while, though. Oh. Not for a couple months. So just, oh, it's like the last time we started the draft, like a month ago, he was up there, and then he slowly started... I think I think he could be a good player. Don't forget, fans, we are not celebrating Cinco de Mayo next week, as I was brutally yelled at by Flutter. I didn't yell at anybody. We're going to fraud. We can celebrate Cinco de Mayo if you want. Yes. What are going to be May? Yeah, next week is uh, Friday the 3rd. Oh, that's right. Venture in the month of May. Indies. Mindy's May. Uh, shout out to fans of the Indy 500. Thought we'd do that. Um, interesting fact before we get to the other uh, cross players that I found on Twitter, tweeted by the uh, Associated Press, is just scientists found a hormone that increases insulin making cells in mice to possibly be a cure for diabetes. Oh. Learn something new every day, don't you? Absolutely. I thought it was our good friend Malcolm Barber that reported that. No. <laughs> Malcolm's lost somewhere. Lost in the ozone layer. Exactly. But uh, next week, hopefully we've been trying to promote this sort of under under the radar. 
with the wonderful help of our good friends at Google Plus, you might actually simulcast the first ever live YouTube episode of FR here in the studio. Good Lord. I, I, I think it'd be interesting to see just what could happen. Bring in our free box of swag and promote. What do we have? Old Spice, Scope. Um, yeah, thanks. For Crest, uh, Crest Floss. Body wash, whatever you want. It's ours. It's yours for the taking. But what is also uh, ours for the taking is they free uh, they free a uh, podcast on iTunes. A thumbs, a thumbs down to everyone that says that this is a podcast. We are actually a live radio show now. What you listen to two days later is a podcast. Yeah, they're monkeys. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't go that far. They're out of control. <laughs> yeah, but uh, who isn't out of control is the A lacrosse team. And they take on Holy Cross tonight at 7:45. They are out of control. Yeah. Listen to these. When you when you listen to these interviews, fans, you realize that the the team is has just gone all kamikaze, ready to rock and roll. They were uh, inches away from beating Navy last Sunday on Senior Day, last game of the season. Winner would have taken first place in the Patriot League and had the right to host. And said the number 14 midshipmen won in double overtime against AU, so American takes on Holy Cross tonight, who's the three seed, and if they win tonight at 745, they will face the mids in Navy tomorrow, or Sunday, at noon Eastern time for a rematch, which would be fantastic if that happens. But here is not Page League Coach of the Year, which I'm very upset, and I'll get to that in a minute. But this is uh, Head Coach Emma Wall sat down and talked with us as well as Kimmy Collins and Rookie of the Year goalkeeper, Teal Harrison. How does it feel confidence-wise for your team knowing that you can pretty much be on the same level as one of the best teams in the country? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's a great feeling. And um, playing against Navy, knowing that we were, you know, seconds away or goalposts away from beating them is a huge confidence booster for us. Um, that element of fear is gone. And we're excited to play them again. You know, I think we're going to put up another great fight if we don't come out with that win. Um, so, yeah, you know, Sunday's game was a huge emotional and psychological boost for us as we head into the Patriots tournament. What does the Patriot League tournament mean to you as a coach? Um, you know, it's a lot of fun. It'll be my first one. I'm excited. Um, if, if we win it outright, then we get an automatic qualifier to the NCAA tournament. Um, I've been there as a player, and it's an amazing, one-of-a-kind experience. So, you know, I'm hoping that we can get that for the girls. Um, they deserve it, and we're looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to, you know, the opportunity to play again and continue our season. The senior class, it seems like they've been sort of the highlights for you, your team this year. Definitely. So you talk about Definitely. You know, I have a really great group of four girls, Emily Burton, Kimmy Collins, Laura Dawson, and Samantha Marshall. Um, and honestly, without their leadership and support, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in today. They do so many things on and off the field for me as a coach and also for their teammates. Um, you know, their, their presence is really invaluable, and we'll definitely miss them next year. When you took over as coach, what were some of the initial challenges you faced? in the first, like, two weeks? You know, I think rallying the team, getting them back on track was my top priority. Um, they've been through a lot of changes in the past three years, and it was important for me as a head coach now to really kind of right the ship and get them refocused back on the clock, um, you know, and knowing that I, as a coach, will be there for them for whatever they need. And then, you know, obviously the day-to-day stuff is a little challenging being the only one until I hired my assistant coach. But, uh, you know, we managed through, and again, with my senior leadership, they really stepped up to the plate and helped me out as kind of pseudo-assistants until I actually found Colleen. Yes, has Colleen helped? How much has she helped us? Tremendously. Um, you know, she's a great player. She had a great career at Johns Hopkins, my alma mater. So we're on the same page in terms of the system that we were brought up in, not only, you know, strategically, but also uh, with our head coach, Jimmy Tucker, who was a great mentor for both of us. And I think we both model our coaching style and philosophy from her. Um, so, you know, it's been a great, great partnership. And the girls really, you know, adore Colleen. She brings a lot to the table in terms of lacrosse. Um, and, you know, she also brings an extra body whenever I need to throw someone out of practice. So she's been wonderful. Does it help that she's sort of straight out of college? And um, yeah, it does. I was, you know, I was a little concerned. She is the same age as some of my players. Um, and, you know, from the, from the get-go, I was a little nervous about that. But, you know, honestly, she carries herself in such a way that you'd think she's, like, you know, a couple years out at least. And she handles herself in a very professional manner with them. But also, on the flip side, um, they look to her, you know, as kind of being that fresh out of college, and she knows what they're going through on a day-to-day basis. 
Uh, not that I don't, but she's a little bit more in tune with what they have going on in their lives than I have. What's been the difference in playing style from your team from when you were assistant under Laura Campbell to your head coaching? Um, I, you know, we're more competitive, I feel like. Uh, we're more aggressive, and, um, you know, offensively, I think we're more dynamic. We have a lot more looks. We have a lot more flow to our offense. Um, and defensively speaking, again, we're more aggressive, and we have a couple different sets that we can flow in and out of. Um, you know, I think the girls have really embraced their competitive nature uh, this spring, and that's been one of our, you know, huge factors. I think one of the differences between the fall and now. And most people may not know this, but you guys started 0-6 of the year. Yeah. What was it that, I guess, you said or the team did differently that you guys went on this amazing win streak after that? Um, you know, it, it was tough not having the fall to really perfect our systems and put in our new sets, especially with Colleen coming in and putting in new offensive systems. Um, so, you know, we, we really missed out on a chunk of learning time that is critical, you know, to the success in the spring. So I think during those six losses, except for Richmond, they, they blew us out, so I'll give them that. Um, those six close games, that was really a lack of, um, you know, just a lack of team unity, a lack of clicking on both ends of the field, um, which I think, you know, after a coastal win, we were able to get a solid win under our belt and then carry that into the rest of our season. So right now, you know, we're just working together as a team, as a group, um, and it's definitely been a noticeable improvement. And then earlier this year, you guys beat your alma mater, that John Topham game. I guess pretty much the best win in program history. What does it mean for you, not only to do that, but in your first year as coach? Right. Um, you know, it, it was a great experience for me and, and Coach McCaffrey, for that matter. Um, beating my former head coach, you know, it was very surreal. Um, in terms of having one of the best wins in program history, you know, I look at it as another game, and I'm, I'm not shocked by it. I know that my girls, my team is capable of achieving, you know, moments like that, beating top teams like that. It takes a lot of work and a lot of effort. Um, but, you know, I'm just so proud of the girls. They've really prepared hard for that game. Um, and I think the result of that game, you know, is evident of their efforts and the preparation. And you said to a Navy reporter on I believe, on the last game that you, when people say that it's surprising that you guys are doing so well, and you say absolutely not, yeah. you stick by your team 100%. Yeah. Is there way you can just talk a little bit about that? Yeah, no, I've, I've gotten that question a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people are just shocked by how well we've done and how, you know, the, the accomplishments that we've had this season with beating Hopkins, with staying close with Navy, other other wins like that. Um, but no, I'm not shocked at all. You know, my, my team works incredibly hard, and, you know, we're even one of the smaller teams in the league. You know, I can't do full field work because I don't have enough people. Um, so, you know, it really goes to show that the girls on my team work incredibly hard for everything that they, they earn, um, and I'm not shocked by the success. You know, what you put into the sport is what you're going to get out, and the girls have really bought into that system um, and have owned it and have really embraced it, and, you know, I think it's evident with our record in the second half of the season that, you know, it's one of the main factors to our success, so no, I'm not shocked. And who, other than the seniors on your team, have stepped up tremendously this year? Uh, Emily Mayer has been an incredible player. I think she's really stepped up and had a fabulous spring season. Um, you know, again, I, I think I've said it before, she's one of our true athletes out there, end-to-end, -end, you know, in the defensive end, in the offensive end, and then in between the lines as well. She's our center drop specialist. She's really worked hard with Coach McCaffrey on that. Um, Alex Lugovina has had a breakout season. Um, she's been incredibly fun to watch, and it's been, you know, again, she's one of those kids who puts in the work outside of practice to really perfect her game, and it's showing up in game day. So it's been a lot of fun to watch her career. Um, Teal Harrison, obviously, standout freshman. Um, you know, a lot of pressure on her in the beginning of the season, and I think she's really owned it now and has clicked in as a goalie and understands her role on the team. Um, you know, that's, that's the ones that come to my mind right away. And is it more than is it more of just execution for you guys in the Page League tournament rather than making an entirely new game plan? Considering how well you played Navy, right? No, I mean we are making some changes strategically. Um, you know, some things will be the same. I think we're going to see a lot of new offensive sets out there. Um, defense, we're going to mix things up just a little bit. I think we did okay defensively speaking, um, but we will definitely put in some new looks to just try to throw some people off as we head in, both for our Holy Cross team and then also for Navy as well. All right, and how confident are you guys going into the You know, we're very confident, um, and it's my job as a coach to keep that confidence in check. Um, you know, one of my main points at practice this morning was to reiterate the fact that we won't get the Navy unless we beat Holy Cross. So right now our sights are set on Holy Cross. We're preparing 
you know, just as hard as we did for Navy for Holy Cross, and uh, you know, hopefully our preparations will, you know, end up with a uh, win, and then we'll get to face either Navy or Lafayette on that Sunday. So very exciting uh, interviews, Emma Wallace. I'm very disappointed she did not win Coach of the Year. Sure. I know, right? You have vote. Exactly. That's because they don't have us voting on this. The Patriot League, I think we're like blacklisted by the league. And we tirelessly rant on them and how unorganized it is and how their judgment is just a little off. But interesting uh, rumors from my good friend Josh Connell, editor of the Amword magazine. Yes, ma'am will be the new powerhouse of uh, sports journalism and journalism in general at American University. He was saying that you would choose decide on a new head coach as early as next week. You are not buying that, are you? Uh, yeah, I mean, unless there's search is doing something that we don't know about. I mean, we need to get a coach. I mean, roughly we'll sooner or later, but a good friend, a new AD, just uh, Mr. Walker. Uh, literally just started last week. So. Friday, yeah, last Friday. Friday, so last week. And so I think that um, I'd say within, what did they say, a week? Yeah. A couple weeks is probably what I expect. So but I, you don't want to rush it, but you also don't want to, you know, take all the time take in the all world. the time where you lose, potentially lose candidates that you would love to otherwise get. Well, it's all, of, all out of our hands. It's all with this uh, new agency that we hired. Word. Well, well, it's not really. I mean, they find a guy, but the way they work is that ultimately we still have to hire him. They don't hire him for us. They find the guy. They run the search. Yeah. Just that we're not running the search. And James and uh, Jake Tapper's going to CNN. Yeah, no, he, he's been at CNN for a while. This is from December. Why are you reading December articles? Because you let Jake Tapper on Wikipedia. Relax. He's a fantastic. Why are you According to the AU Hoop blog. What are you doing? A wonderful source of info. Uh, current list of guys that the fans that we consider are pleasing the great Jeff Jones. Someone put Mike Rice, just kidding. That's cute. Carl Hobbs, former coach of GW, <laughs> who you say to uh, chuckling laughs. Jason uh, Will Willford, who is, um, I guess he's an assistant now at UVA. Jason Wilford. Doesn't ring a bell. I still think we should hire. Actually, played under JJ at West at uh, Virginia. <laughs> hire Eddie Jackson, who is an who is actually no show. Kind of has Josh Fonell's number. Uh, Mike <laughs> Brennan's another one. Love it, love it. <laughs> Mike Brennan, uh, assistant under John Thompson III, and the great, the immortal, who I think is going to get it because our school is very lazy deciding these sort of timely decisions. Be great. Here in Donahue, probably our coach, the moans and groans of many. Of course, uh, shout out to Darius Gardner, who was not uh, transferring. He was just at a wedding, confirmed by the great Zach Elkana. But uh, before we end the show, before we get to tweet some flow, here's what Kimmy Collins and Rookie of the Year freshman goalkeeper Teal Harrison had to say on their take of playing in the Patriot League tournament. One player for her last time getting a shot in the NCAA tournament, and one playing in her first, being a freshman goalie, as this team is trying to become the first team since 2003, the 2003 Eagle team, to make the NCAAs. Um, for me as a senior, it's been a crazy year with our coach leaving in the fall. You know, most people think that our season starts in January, but we actually start in August and go every single month, every single day. So starting with your coach leaving is tough position to be in, I'm sure, as a freshman. Someone who recruited you and they leave, it's scary because you don't know what's going to come next. Um, but I think it was the best thing that could have happened for us to get Emma and Colleen. They know their stuff. They're really dedicated to the program. And you see that in our results, how we've done this year. Um, moving forward for the Patriot League, I think we're all just excited to play. You know, we saw against the Navy we were right there with them. We definitely should have won. Um, everything didn't go our way. But I think it was just a confidence booster for everyone that we are forced to be reckoned with in the Patriot League, and we should win that title. Was it scary for you, Teal, having cut your currency leave? Um, yeah, it was a big adjustment. I was, I mean, it was like completely unexpected, and I think it's like that for all the freshmen because you spend basically two years before you get here with that coach, and then you get 
a couple months into the school year, and then she's gone. But I think after we got over the adjustment and um, we had Emma, who, like Kimmy said, is great, and Colleen, like things started to turn around. And I think we're a great team now, like a great family. So, How does it feel for you being a starting freshman goalie and being the only goalie on the team this year? Um, at first it was, like, daunting, but now I think I've just kind of, like, go with the flow. I'm in my position now, and I'm used to it. And um, I say this over and over, but I just take it day by day. I know that I'm a freshman, so I still have a lot to learn, but I also know that I have a big responsibility on the team, so I try my best every day to just step up to that position. What are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, I'm looking forward to forward to some really competitive games. Um, I just want to beat everyone. I just want to win. <laughs> I think it's like, I really just feel like this is like, I just feel like this is our year. Um, like we have great seniors like Kim, Daw, Sam, Bert. If I wouldn't be anyone, um, <laughs> it's been a long day. But like I just think that this is our year, and we can really just like prove to everyone that we deserve this. And like Kim said, we're right with Navy, who is the biggest contender, and we can definitely destroy them this weekend. So I'm just looking forward to forward to two great games and winning the Patriot League. So. All right, Kimmy, is this the third coach you you've had while at AU? Yeah, it's the third head coach and. Colleen is the third assistant. So yeah, I've been through a lot of coaches. <laughs> how does that, for you, how does that feel, going to adapting to different, like, stock coaching styles? Yeah, I mean, the three coaches that have come through here are all completely different. Um, freshman year was very intense. I was on the verge of leaving because <laughs> it was so intense. Um, it wasn't fun anymore. And then Laura came in and kind of brought the light back to lacrosse. Um, so that was good. And then with Emma, she's just so knowledgeable, which is a different coaching style. And Laura, she, we had a lot of Jackie and Georgetown incorporated. So having new, fresh everything has been good for me. I like it a lot. What is the difference in styles, I guess, for you being an attack from Laura to Emma's coaching style? Um, so in terms of attack with Laura, it was a lot of plays and set motions where certain people were in certain positions doing certain things, and now we're more of a freelance and everyone's a threat, which really comes in handy when you play teams because everyone does scouting. Everyone watches film, and they learn your plays, and they learn what people do. But being in our freelance motion, having everyone as a threat in every part of the field, teams can't really scout us, and they if they want to throw a face guard or a matchup, someone else is going to step up and score. So it's really good offense. All right, and I guess for both of you, earlier back in the season, most people don't know this, but you guys were once 0-6 of the season. And then what was it, I guess, that happened the week after you guys went on this amazing run and I've only lost three games since? I I think it was just getting that first win. Yeah, it was that first win. And then from there we just took off. Um, I think after that first win, like, everyone realized we could do this. It was tough at first going 6-0. We call it, like, the dark ages. But, I mean, (laughs) that first one really, like, brought us together, and I can't really remember what Coach said before that game, but I remember it was a really powerful speech, and everyone was, like, ready to go for Coastal, so. Yeah. That was just. So it's just a psychological thing. You guys can do it. Yeah. yeah. I think one of the main things she says is running to a win instead of away from a loss. Yeah. Which is something we were always, the next game would be like, oh, are we going to be 0-7? Are we going to lose again? Mm-hmm. But I think at that point we turned and we were like, we're going to win every game now. And having to have the thought of losing in our head, it's just running towards a win, yeah. which I think has been like a theme of the season. To being Johns Hopkins help that cause. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> <laughs> you, I guess for you, Teal, being the goalie, what was your thoughts on upsetting a national powerhouse? You as a freshman as well. Um, I thought it was great. It was. It made like the unbelievable believable. Like, it was just. I don't know. I just remember that feeling, and I still don't really have words to describe it. So it was definitely something great to do and be a part of um, and play during my freshman year. And Kimmy, do you feel like that win sort of puts a, a huge staple on your legacy here at AU? Yeah, I definitely think it shows what we're capable of. We haven't really, this has been our hardest schedule in the four years that I've been here. So it was nice that even though we have the hard schedule, that we show that we can be a top 20 team in the nation and that. Yeah, we might be a small school. We might not have most scholarships of even people in the Patriot League, but we're a force to be reckoned with. So I think it was a big wake-up call for people and a, a good thing for the program that people are going to start looking here um, and taking us more seriously.
Is it good to know that the future of AU Cross can sort of look back on you guys, knowing that even you said this is your hardest schedule, and you guys go eight and nine, five and one in the Patriot League. Is that sort of good for the future of you as a team and program? Yeah, I think yeah, it's I a big thing so. to look forward to. I know before I came here, the season before they were three and thirteen, and they didn't even make it to the tournament, and I didn't make it my freshman year. So to see how things can change in three years, from not making it to the tournament to now being the number two seed, I think that says a lot for. What we've done. Yeah, I agree, and um, I, I don't even know when I started getting recruited here, but just like seeing, I saw the changes too, even though I was back in Ohio, just keeping up with AU, because AU was my first choice school, and I, I definitely agree that these changes, um, looking back, these are going to be the ones that are going to draw people here to the school. So. All right, who else on the team this year has sort of stepped up and been sort of that team player, or that big impact player on the team? Um. <laughs> I think it's really been a like team effort. We're a really young team. There's only four upperclassmen or four seniors, and right now only three of us are playing. And then in terms of the juniors, there's only four of them as well. So it's a really really young team. Um, I think the sophomore class: Jordan, Emily Shields, Jamie, Louie Reeve. They really come from being freshmen. To not like not really playing that much last year, to really having a huge role. Jordan scored the winning goal. Shields face um, guarding Jasmine and pretty much shutting her down, except for two goals, three goals that you don't talk about. But they really come into their own and have sort of become upperclassmen, even though they are only sophomores. So I think the whole team has really just stepped up and we're one unit. I agree. All right, and. Uh Losing double overtime on Sunday, does that give you guys that extra boost, sort of like revenge, knowing that you can compete with some of the best in the country, especially Navy? Yes, definitely. We're going to come out and just take them down. So. <laughs> How badly do you want to beat them? Really badly. Yeah. I mean, there's not enough words to describe. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I mean, it's pretty intense between the two teams, especially yeah. knowing that next year the Patriot League is going to change. So who even knows if, We'll be in the tournament. Navy will be in the tournament. So, you know, it's kind of, I mean, especially for me, it's my last year yeah. of playing any competitive sports. After this, you got to kind of pull the reins a little and realize that it's not college. Um, but, yeah, it's been a rivalry for the past four years. Last year, it kind of embarrassed us. And, you know, this year they underestimated us just like everyone else. So I think we want to beat them and Cindy more than we're going to even describe. They don't mean more than beating Hopkins to us, in my eyes. And that is the AU women's lacrosse team. We thank Coach Emma Wallace and her players, senior attack Kimmy Collins, who has, I believe, a 40-plus game streak, scoring a goal, which is one of the longest in AU history, as this team once started 0-6, upset 12th-ranked Johns Hopkins, and then since then, I only had three losses, and all three of those teams were to nationally-ranked opponents. Look at that. So now they take on Holy Cross. I believe it's Holy Cross tonight, 745. And if they win, it'll take on the Navy Midshipmen, 14th in the country, live in Annapolis. As Mono Gardner, Ben Fouad, Snack Radio. Talk about Radio. And uh, the uh, Procter & Gamble. Is everything all right? Yeah, I'm just really, I'm just really distraught right now. Because I had one... Thing and one of my classes, I just lost points because I didn't submit the blackboard, and now I'm all. <sighs> all right, but. And we sorry. got the funk. We oh, have well, the funk. Uh, glory be, the funk's on me, Bobby. Keep that funk alive. Keep that funk alive. Mm. Well, it's 
What we were going to do is uh, hype the uh, the rivalry between you and Saltzman on sports, but wonderfully enough, we can't find Saltzman on sports online. So Google will not go as far as that. So we cannot compare your draft to his draft, but how successful was your draft, your final 15th edition? Uh, as a whole, really wasn't that successful. I, I haven't counted how many picks I got right. I think I only got like two or three. Uh, it was not very successful as a whole, so that was, I guess, a little disappointing, but honestly, it's not the end of the world. But, but uh, yeah. So. You did actually, according to Tosh Man, you actually got the number one pick right and Salson didn't. Yeah, because I switched it late. I switched at like 3 o'clock, I believe it was. Right, and you do have a lot of... Oh, here you go. Sharif Floyd still being on the board is a felony. Who did he end up going to? 23 to Minnesota. Yeah, Minnesota was struck big in the draft. i that he fell from... Because I thought he was going to be the third overall pick to Oakland, but he fell a while. I have no idea why. I like how you retweeted someone from the New York Daily News saying the, draft, the Jets had drafted uh, Lionel Messi. What? So the Jets to draft Yeah, Messi. I, yeah, I just uh, Frank Ice Cola. Uh, Frankie Ice. I just thought that. Oh, it's Frankie Ice. That's Frankie Ice. No kidding. Shout out to the Post. Yeah, you did a lot of draft tweets. I don't want to go through all of these. We'll cut you. We'll cut you off short. But I do want to say congrats to Barry Sanders. He's the cover of Madden 25. All quick feet himself. Oklahoma State grad. And arguably one of the greatest running backs of all time. Grace is the cover, so I don't, no Madden curse can be done to him. He doesn't play football anymore. I don't even know where he is nowadays. Also, shout out to a website. Shout out to Adidas. If you go to baa.org, you can buy a Boston Stanza 1 t-shirt for $26.20. All proceeds go to the victims. Great to see that. I'll be buying my T-shirt soon, along with my shooting shirt of the Oklahoma, of the Golden State Warriors, because I think that shirt is just awful, and I have to own one because I got birthday money, which is fantastic. Also, final thing: uh, the playoffs. The NHL playoffs start next week. Mm-hmm. You excited? Uh, currently, NHL.com has your Devils not in the playoffs. Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. They will not. They've they've already been eliminated. Oh, that's awful. New York Islanders made the playoffs. What? That's that's just embarrassing. The Caps will have a pipe going up for the Capitals. Maybe we can bring our good friend Zach Drescher back on the show. Caps correspondent of WTOP News and Traffic on the eighth. Uh, any big teams you see? You see that the Blackhawks being the overall favorite as you frantically look to turn something in. No, well, well that doesn't. Why, why would you bring that up? Because we love you. Definitely. Why would you do that? That, that just doesn't. Anyway, because uh, we perform in the classroom. Stop, stop. Um, they're de- they're definitely up there. I don't know if they're necessarily the favorite. I think Pittsburgh may be the favorite, but you still have the concerns with uh, Sidney Crosby's injury as he comes back. But um, I think that they're definitely the favorite in the West. Obviously, they still they had that incredible run at the start, and. I, I while uh, I'm not I'm not certain yet who I got coming out of the West, but I do think that uh, they're definitely up there in the favorite. Will we have full hockey analysis for a non-Penguin Live show? Uh, sure, yes. Yes. All right, as of now, Penguins and the Blackhawks are the two one seeds. The two two seeds are the Bruins and the Ducks of Anaheim, and the three seeds are the Canucks and the Caps. I hope the Capitals do well. Granted, they are a three seed. They're not the high seed. They were relatively under the radar. Trade shipped a lot of, or spent a lot of money getting players. Traded some players. And rumors, people are saying Ovechkin is having a MVP-like season once again. Could you see a small team like the Rangers or the Sharks pulling what the Kings did last year? Who are not in the playoffs, which is hilarious. No, they have a one seed. Uh, I think it could happen that the NHL is the one league in sports where you will, uh, uh, you know, it's pretty com- pretty common for it to see the big ups like that. Cause I feel like there's there's a wide amount of parity in the NHL you don't see in other leagues. Cause you do see top like really good one seeds, but the smaller teams are usually very good as well. So I think it could happen. So I'll be next week. 
for our NHL playoff preview. The NHL will probably already playoffs already start because they start Tuesday, and maybe we can actually have some baseball talk next week. I don't know. If the if the uh, coaching thing is leaked for AU, we will definitely be the first on that with our good friend Josh Fonell. Also, shout out to whatever's going on in the quad right now. Yeah, I have no idea. It looks like a giant carnival of fitness sponsored by Reebok. And uh, apparently Julian Michaels, the great from the from the, the health and fitness person, the workout lady from The Biggest Loser, might actually be on campus on Saturday, so I'll be there. Who knows, maybe we can get Fnac Radio TV up and running. Hopefully we'll get our Google Plus thing going. For all of us here at Fnatic Radio, check out the podcast on iTunes. Check us out on YouTube next week for the mighty Ben Florence. Shout out to our new panelist on sports on Aaron Vale. Yeah. Breaking yeah. barriers. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. How about Coaching that? tenure immediately starts with you making a great decision as Aaron Vale will bring a lot of personality onto the show. I'm looking forward to it. For Ben Florence, Kyle Gardner. We'll catch you next week. Next Friday, 4 to 5, here on Blog Talk Radio. So long, everyone. You can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.